We opened the warehouse in Munich. Our community came in front of it and danced. We were delivering these orders. I was knocking the door and there was a laptop with 64 squares. There's a Zoom call and someone is showing to all of his friends and family saying that something like this exists. Like, I don't remember how I was doing my things before, you know, my groceries before. We realized that, okay, this is above groceries. We are solving something super fundamental. I wanted to mention a newsletter I can't get enough of called Startup Life. It's brought to you by Sifted, the FT-backed media platform covering European startups and tech. Each week, Startup Life goes behind the scenes of Europe's startups to ask the questions you want answers to. It's jam-packed with specialist advice on everything from hiring your first product manager to exploring alternatives to VC funding. You'll also get expert interviews with startup operators from companies like GitLab, health tech unicorn Allens, and scooter startup Tier, as well as book and podcast reviews and smart reads on how to build a business. Sifted Startup Life newsletter is an invaluable resource for all the folks working in startups wanting to get better at what they do. If you're looking to learn from the experts, head to sifted.eu forward slash startup life and subscribe now. I've dropped a link in the show notes so you can also head there too. Welcome back to another episode of Secret Leaders from Infamous Media. I'm Dan Murray-Serta, and this is the best place to hear candid stories from real entrepreneurs. Today, I'm really excited to have Khan Suma on the show, the co-founder of Gorillas, a Berlin-based startup that promises groceries delivered to your door in under 10 minutes at retail prices. They recently became the fastest ever European startup to reach a billion-dollar valuation and now fighting in the trenches of the UK market, having launched in London a few months ago. You're going to be hearing a lot more about this company over the next few months and years, trust me. But before we get into the conversation, I do need to mention that my mic actually quit during the recording. So Future Dan is going to be paving over the gaps with some lovely voiceover work now. And I can only apologize, but this is sort of what happens when you're moving house as I have temporarily into my mum's and I've actually built myself a podcast studio in my mum's garden shed. You can check that out on my Instagram at Dan Murray Serta. I'm pretty happy with it. And uh, the sound quality, I think, as you're hearing is pretty good. So expect better from from here. Now, let's briefly stop off at Khan's childhood in Turkey before we strap ourselves into the rocket ship that is Gorillas. I grew up in Istanbul, actually, I would describe as a friendly competition kind of, or like a, a competition in in a loved setup. So why I say this is, my family is definitely an underdog family, you know, like in, they are doctors. But in Turkey, doctors are not like, you know, super well paid. They are actually very low paid. And that's why like financially, it wasn't, it wasn't the most flexible situation. But they always gave this love and, you know, they set me up for success big time. So that's why it was a combination of feeling this underdog, but also the potential at the same time. So this kind of a childhood I had. Turkey is a very competitive environment as a, as a student, you know, like um, because there's big disparity between the top schools and the rest of it. So that's why there's always uh, a tendency to get yourself ready for the exams. There are like, like always there are some stage eight exams that takes you to some school. There's one story or a snapshot that I never forget about that. Uh, one day I'm getting ready for high school exam. It was quite late in the night and I was, I was solving this multiple choice test. I love multiple choice tests. And my father came, he opened the curtains and he told me, look Khan, it's completely dark. There's no single light in any other room, but your, your light is open. And in your life, whatever you do, 
you just keep this. This is actually one of my assets that that I think is hard to compete. You know, like you can you can outsmart me, you can outstructure me, you can do out x me, but I think you cannot out self discipline me. I would say you cannot out uh, outwork me because if I want something. I go for that. And this, this comes with the childhood. I wanted to know what experiences made Khan the man he is today. So buckle up, because we're going on a ride all the way from Turkey to China to Germany and everywhere in between. So basically, I had a friend called Felipe from Brazil. We met him in Mannheim while we were studying together and we always dreamt about it like how would it look like like we are now studying we go to a corporate and after that do this and that but how would it be like to travel from your house to my house from Curitiba to Istanbul we begin at sorry from Istanbul to Curitiba Istanbul Iran Turkmenistan Uzbekistan Tajikistan then you know you go to India you go to Myanmar ship hiking you go to Australia work and travel then fly to, you know, like everything in zero budget. How can you do it on a bike? And we were in love with bikes. We both had bike tattoos and everything. We were commuting everywhere with bike, carrying the bikes into parties and stuff. And one day after that, it's, it's, we forgot it. And then I came back to Istanbul and I was living with my grandma by then. And my parents, there's a Turkish saying, you became a cucumber that we cannot do a jajik anymore. So it's a very bad saying. I cannot if the, I don't know if it makes sense, but it means that you're at a level that you cannot do anything in life. So it's actually very heartbreaking to tell to someone, you know. And my family told me that and I said, okay, maybe I should work. And I applied to Microsoft, like, you know, like I was beginning, I, I was going to begin, I signed everything and I was going to begin Microsoft that day. Eight hours before I begin, Felipe calls me. Khan, what's up? And I said, okay, uh, like, good, Felipe, how are you doing? Where are you? He said, look, man, I, I have diarrhea. <laughs> I'm in Romania. I'm taking a bus at the moment and I'm coming to Istanbul. And I need to stay in your place because I'm super sick. I cannot ride my bike. I said, what do you mean you can ride bike? I began this big dream that we were dreaming. And I said, okay, come. Like two hours before, everything was ready. Like my shirt was ironed and everything. And Felipe came and he told me, Look, Khan, you know what? I mean, we dreamt this. I began this and I think, you know, we should do it together. Like, what do you think about it? I didn't hesitate, you know? Like I said, let's do this. I had literally zero budget. And I had only budget to go back to Germany. I, I took the first flight to Germany. I took my bike. I, bring, I brought my bike to um, Turkey. And I told my parents, look, you know, I think I know that I found a way to become a you know, like a cucumber, the jajik, and I, I'm going to do what I want to do, man. I think I can create val personal value, which will create much different level of self-awareness, integrity, self-discipline, if I do this, rather than just working for something that I don't want. And I just began the journey. It was the best thing that ever happened to me. You know, Turkey, Iran, Turkmenistan, Uzbekistan, Tajikistan, Afghanistan, Tajikistan back. China didn't take me. So I, I tried to turn it around. I went to Kyrgyzstan, Kazakhstan, the weather got cold. You know, it was, it was an amazing journey. I, I, was, I was talking to Mannheim graduates one week ago, and they asked me, what would be your one single advice? Like, they asked me a lot of questions. They asked me, what do you think about this business model? What do you think about, like, flower e-commerce and blah, blah, blah. And after that, they asked me one single advice. I told them this. 
you are thinking about business models at the moment, you know? Like, I was also thinking about business models. But the moment when I thought about really myself, the moment when I felt this entrepreneurial confidence in my skin, it wasn't the time when I was thinking about the business models. It was thinking about who am I? What are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? It was the time when I discovered that I cannot pay my bills. My social skills are, are not good, you know? Like, the moment you realize that who you are exactly at the core... It builds your preferences and your preferences build your identity in my point of view. And at that moment, your entrepreneurial confidence begin coming because, because you then understand it's not important who you like, like how strong you are, you know, like it's important how resilient you are, how you keep moving forward. And this, this trip, imagine this, I got stuck in no man's land between Uzbekistan and Tajikistan. It was five, five meters full of white big spiders and I'm afraid of spiders and also snakes inside. And one doesn't give, like Tajikistan doesn't give water to Uzbekistan. Uzbekistan doesn't give uh, something to Tajikistan. They're super in fight mode. And I'm in between, they don't take me, no one takes me in, I'm, I step there. Turkish embassy calls me and says that there's only one chance. I need to take you to Istanbul. You can come to uh, the capital and from there we can take you to Istanbul. I tell them, no man. No way. I see the mountains that I want to climb, you know. In Tajikistan, there's Pamir Highway. I want to go there. Like, you cannot take me from my journey. So, basically, I, I found a truck driver there, took my passport to the embassy. I gave my passport to him. He took my passport to the embassy. He, then he stamped it. He brought it back. And after that, I continued my journey. So, I think this is 100% the best training for entrepreneurship. When I came back, I felt like a... Half God almost. In Turkish, this means like, it's a, like a meta state of mind. My mind was so clear and I had no needs. I didn't feel that I need anything. I called my grandma. I told grandma, what are you up to? I said, she said that, you look, I'm same thing, you know. I said, I'm coming. Have a bed for me or like a couch. I'm just coming. I'm going to stay in your place. Second thing I did was, like, then there was a flat that's empty under my grandma, and I'm, I got that flat. And I lived a little bit there, you know, like three, four months. I found a, down, like a, a place that's left, and I, I got some tables, I built some furnitures. There was my bed, there was my sound system. The previous owner of that flat was an artist. She couldn't pay the bills, and I told her, look, can you paint me one wall, one, one very big wall, and then I find a way to pay your bills. She painted all my wall, and then there I began building a business called Kuru to pay the bills of uh, of this artist. And in Turkey, there were a lot of bombing and terrorist attacks. That's why tourists were not coming into Turkey that times. And and in Turkey, dry cleaners they work eighty percent for the tourism, so for for B two B purchases. And I realized that like the guy um, who is my friend is going out of business, and I told him, look, you have excess capacity sell me that excess capacity, I'm going to find you B2C customers, you know. I built a super simple website and I began collecting all my friends who look like these white colors and, you know, like all of this 300,000 people was my population. And I got some people from there and I began washing their clothes and bringing them back. The business went quite well. And because the supply was super cheap and people hated to wash their clothes and especially people who live alone. Business went quite well, but it was super premature. Then I paid the bills and everything to, to, the, to the lady. She built a perfect, nice graffiti on my walls. And after that, 
our currency devalued. I was about to raise money. You know, I was saying, look, this is my revenue, profitable business. Like, you know, give me some money. I go international. And at that point, our currency devalued and it became like nonsense to raise money. And I said, okay, you shouldn't do this in Turkey. You shouldn't do this in Turkey. And in Europe, for some reason, I needed some extra reputation. How can I get this extra reputation? I need to join a global company that can give me A, entrepreneurial confidence, B, can take me a global batch. And so that I can go to a mature market and build my stuff, create surplus there and have an impact in the world. Because I wanted to be an entrepreneur all the times, yeah? So I joined Bain Company, Turkish office, and the office was entrepreneurial itself. It was like five, six people, or maybe 10 people when I joined. And almost zero slides. First half, we built a loyalty program between a big Turkish bank and a, you know, like very big Turkish airline. It was a super executional project, almost no analysis. We built this loyalty program, the app, retail partnerships, and also, you know, like we managed this day to day. And then next half, I was building companies for conglomerates. So quite entrepreneurial in second half. But you know what was happening then? I was building super good stuff, you know, like with all this passion. And someone, one hand of this corporate hand was killing as I built, like coming behind me. I said, and of course, you have a big race, like as you, as you get promoted. I said, this golden calf. I'm getting more and more, like my impact is almost nothing. So I quit, I got a visa, went to Germany, Berlin, and I went to Rocket Internet. I gained entrepreneurial confidence there actually, because it's like, like Rocket Internet, Internet is an interesting place, you know, it's a school of entrepreneurship. So I built a catering business for Rocket Internet, seven months to seven countries. It was quite scalable model, but of course, like the... I was always in my head, like, let's build something, let's build something. You came to Germany for this, so are you going to build for yourself? And one day I'm coming from this grocery store, actually, and I'm thinking, oh, man, like, how am I going to finish the month? I have nothing left. Like, I'm single income. Things are not going well. How can I, how can I make some, also make my life, life standards like I was in Turkey, you know? Like, I was, I was having difficulties. I was thinking this kind of stuff. I've never found money on street. This five euro bill still in, st st still in my kitchen on the wall. Stick to my leg while I'm thinking about this. Like in the in the winter, I like stick to my leg and I said, oh man, if this is not a sign, what's the fucking sign? You know, like you now go to your living room, you empty the living room, build the shelves, get the products from Metro. You know, you find a way to do this website. It's like, you know, like you find a way and you just go all in. I went to my room. Exactly, one by one. Tak, 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 tak. Okay, fridge. I don't have a fridge. What do I do? It's cold. Balcony. Let's put all of the drinks in the balcony. Man, like, I used my living room to build this first prototype. And then I didn't stop since then. So we've reached the beginning of Gorillas. Phew. Following everything so far? Hope so. Because it's going to go up another gear after this quick break. If you're trying to grow your startup and you're dealing with companies outside of the UK, you're probably going to need ISO 27001 at some point. It's not the sexiest acronym, but it's basically the global standard for proving your security practices are up to scratch, like how you handle customer data. The same goes with SOC 2. You're going to need it if you're a SaaS company. 
But achieving these security frameworks can be very tedious and very costly. This is where our partner, Vanta, comes in. Vanta automates up to 90% of the work for certifications like ISO 27001, SOC 2, GDPR, HIPAA, and more, getting you audit ready in weeks instead of months, and saving you up to 85% of the cost. And as a special offer, our listeners get 20% off Vanta. Just head to vanta.com slash secretleaders. That's V-A-N-T-A.com slash secretleaders for 20% off. There's a link in the description. Look, you know I'm fascinated by AI, but until the machines take over, there's only one thing that's going to determine your company's fortunes. People. This isn't some kind of hollow point to make me look good. If you speak privately to any successful entrepreneur, they'll confirm it's true. So, if you're a leader of a growing business, then you should check out Personio. It brings together all the important HR things like hiring, onboarding, payroll data, performance reviews, and so on. You don't want loads of employees sending you emails asking for time off. You want to be able to see things objectively, like it's taking you too long to hire. You want to do performance reviews well, having clear goals for people that are logged in a centralized system. And you want to do all these things in one simple tool without having to become an HR expert. All of this is possible with Personio. Check it out at personio.com forward slash secret leaders. That's personio.com forward slash secret leaders. There's a link in the show notes. Now, we know the headline is groceries to your door in under 10 minutes at retail prices, but how has it actually grown from one man storing drinks on his balcony to a billion dollar company? What is Gorillas really about? Gorillas is about four things. Gorillas is about being authentic. Gorillas is about taking bold decisions. Gorillas is about always keep riding. And Gorillas is about constantly changing things and owning the change. So once we begin building the business, we were, we were so much under constraints. Every single day we were hearing, no, 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 this is so, this doesn't work, this doesn't work, and pop, 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 pop. But what we were 100% sure about one thing, if you go to the fucking moon, you shouldn't go to the supermarket. <laughs> I mean, like imagine you have the technology to go to the space and you're still going to the supermarket this is counterintuitive. Like, this was our simple belief, you know? And we were hearing this noise, this doesn't work, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, like, you cannot build a business like this, X, Y, Z. We were saying, whatever you say, if we go to the moon, we find a way to not to go to the supermarket. This was gorillas initially. Then we begin executing towards it, you know? Like, not so much analysis. Okay, we made the model... You know, we were simply executing without thinking so much. We said, okay, then what do we do? Let's get some flyers out, A4 papers, some to some mailboxes, and then we begin executing. What we realized, like the first thing we realized is the experience is different than what you have in the groceries. Imagine yourself in a grocery store. What's the experience? It was you put your you put your stuff on a conveyor belt, you know, you wait on your line, thing comes. After that, a lovely lady or, or, or a guy who is most of the time not happy with what he's or she's doing, asking you cash or card, and then, you know, you pay. And then there's this, you know, like there's this interaction that's, that's not human at all, to be honest, you know. It's not super sincere transaction at that point. And what we experienced was completely different than this. We opened a warehouse in Munich 
Our community came in front of it and danced. They danced in front of it. So we were delivering these orders, you know, like we were, I was knocking the door and there was a laptop with 64 squares. There's a Zoom call and someone is showing to all of his friends and family, like saying that something like this exists. Like, I don't remember how I was doing my things before, you know, my groceries before. So we realized that, okay, this is above groceries. We are solving something super fundamental. And there was something super broken in this industry, obviously, yeah? And then we said, okay, we don't need to know what we are doing, but we should know why we are doing. We definitely inspire people to interact with their essential needs differently. So we are not a grocery company. With what we do, with these four values, we inspire people. This was a second layer, you know, like, okay, we are authentic, we take bold decisions, we always keep riding and we own the change. And with those, we inspire then the second question was, okay, but you we inspire, but how do we inspire? Like, what's our place as gorillas in this world? You know, what, what value we add? At that point, we get more technical inside of the business. And we said, okay, let's look at the grocery market. It's 14 trillion. It's a, it's a need that's, that's always there. At the end of the day, you need two things. You know, you need the housing. You know, you need your cave. And you need your fuel, your food, yeah? So basically, groceries is one of these super huge things and we said that okay so what problem we, we really solve like we tried to understand because this experience was quite unique there are like even if it's a 14 trillion market essentially there are three use cases one third of the transactions are emergency purchases i mean you want the sauce you cook penne arabiata you don't have the sauce you know you, you need to get that sauce it's impossible to get that sauce at the moment like online Meaning there are I mean more the value, next next day deliveries and XYZ. Your store, your corner store probably doesn't have it, or at least it's a questionable experience at this moment. One third of the transactions, you need something at this very moment, the second, and you cannot get it. One third. Then there's the other one third, the second third. Replenishments, you know? Like this is the exact experience like this. For example, at this now, now I want melon, but or I, I need fruits. I open my fridge now, I go inside, I open my fridge, I don't see any melons or I don't see any fruits and I go crazy actually because I want things to appear inside of my fridge. But what do I do? I look at the fridge, you know, like I get sad and after I come to my living room and I just sit there. So this is the second third of the market, replenishment. I want things to appear now in my fridge and I cannot get it. Two thirds of this huge primitive need People need things at this very moment and they cannot get it because of the supply chain, because it's not working that way. We don't think this is the biggest problem then. We think that there's the other rest of the market. It's called bulk purchases. The biggest problem is this exists. I mean, two thirds of the market is underserved. You need things and you cannot get it. And then there's this one third of the market, which is super served. Everything is catered towards this for people to get things when they don't need them. Like, how counterintuitive can it get? And why? Because you know that you're going to be underserved next week. That's why you want things. You store things and half of them, you put, you put it to waste. So I disagree to this one. And we as gorillas, we think that this is a broken thing. And our hypothesis was this. If a company pops up in this first two segments and ACES giving our community what they need when they need it, they will shift their share of wallet from these big purchases to the smaller ones, yeah? So this was basically our hypothesis. And it's exactly what has happened. 
And then, what's one reason that I think this is a super, super amazing and crazy and beautiful model? It's like this. Imagine we go to 20,000 years ago. Imagine we are in a cave or something, I don't know, like somewhere that we isolate ourselves from the, you know, like this primates and everything. And you get hungry. Can there be any caveman that gives you this suggestion? Then you can be hungry and there might be nothing in the cave. Just please wait until Saturday. We go for a bulk hunting or bulk gathering and we gather everything. Then we will have some food for the next week. I'm 100% sure that you will say that, Khan, you know what? Like, you're stupid. I'm going to hunt and gather. So, like, this is hard-coded in our inside of us that if we need something, especially if it comes to our primitive needs, housing and fuel, then we get to a fight-or-flight mode. And we need to get things. So, but what happened in the modern society? Because it's a so primitive need, imagine... We demolish all of the supermarkets in London now and all of the f- restaurants and there's only one chance that you can get food and it's in Manchester. What do you do? You will go to Manchester. And that's why the bargaining power is huge in the supply chain. That's why uh, they can shape everything and we just follow it. And now you think that you don't need to get your groceries in 10 minutes. It's pointless. Man, you actually need your groceries in three minutes. You just accept the statu quo. So what we say is, we don't accept the statu quo. We're going to build a complete new supply chain. We're going to build a complete new infrastructure and a community around this infrastructure who can operate this infrastructure and use this infrastructure. Okay, so we're revolutionizing delivery, building a new supply chain and infrastructure and making sure that the punnet of strawberries will be at our door within 10 minutes of ordering. The vision and growth led to Gorillas becoming the fastest ever startup to be valued at a billion dollars in Europe. I asked Khan about the funding journey from the first euro up until the recent mega funding round led by Kotu Management. In the beginning, it was a bit heartbreaking because, you know, like, imagine there's something that you believe 200%, 200%, I'm not 200%, 2000%. And then there are like millions, of, like you've, it feels like there are millions of people that just think that you're out of your mind. You feel like, how come these people can't see this? You know, like, because it's so obvious. And also the power position is not like, it's not on your side. So basically you need more than the words. You need your, you need personality, you need numbers, and you need some sort of traction. Because if you have the personality, it's okay, but you need to back up with some some sort of qualitative and quantitative information so that at least the people that you're talking to, they can buy in your personality. But of course, these are like, at the end of the day, there's something called return on investment, yeah? So you need to create value. So in our case, we were 100% sure that this is going to work, but... We didn't have traction, so we didn't have product, we didn't have money. Like, we were just saying that this is going to work, like, money, money, like, give us some money and we, we, we do it. Everyone thought that we were, like, out of our minds. And at that point, we said that, look, would you give money to us at the moment? You know, we need to show something. That's why at that moment that we, we get to this realization, we just stopped fundraising. And we said that no matter what, until we cannot do it anymore we implement our vision. If you go to the moon, you shouldn't go to the supermarket. This neighborhood, this postcode will not go to the supermarket. So once we begin getting some numbers in and getting some real feedback in, 
we made a WhatsApp group with this 40 people that random 40 people giving us feedback and it escalated super quickly. But the moment we get these numbers, we after hearing maybe 80, 80, 85 no's, 86th person was Christoph Meyer from Atlantic Food Labs. He asked me tough questions in the beginning, but after that, like, you know, like we established the report and he said, okay, I'm interested. But there's it's black and white. Like if you have the numbers and the team, you get the first fund. But the key question is the valuation part. How do you play the valuation? Because there's the market standard. And when Christoph asked me what, what I think about the valuation is I told him this, Christoph, I'm not going to negotiate with you until you do one fucking right and you see this eyes of the people you will understand the potential of this business you know so i think the tendency is to negotiate with market standards you know what's the benchmark what's the dilution but really 100% focusing on the um, problem you solve and really really showing your investor what problem you solve and how people feel about what you solve is the key. So like that actually increased our negotiation power. After Christoph, it was a different ball game because then we met Kotu, you know, like on the way. We opened a couple of warehouses. Of course, we did a we did a super laser focused execution period. And after that, we said, okay, we have one motto in the company. We say scale as long as you're proud. And we were very much proud about our service level, so we wanted to scale it. And we were going to go to a fundraising round, and then we met Kotu. It was a game changer for us because I was always watching this. You know, as a European entrepreneur, like a maybe Turkish entrepreneur, you watch some videos, you know, like product market fit. How does investment rounds work? You always say, you need to have a vision. You need to have the team. You need to have the numbers, traction. In Europe... You almost have a due diligence before you get a yes, you know, like, what's that, what's this, what's that, what's this, what's this, what? Like, Kotu, I was telling all my, like, it wasn't about utilization rate in the beginning. It was about the vision. Like, the first meeting, I was telling this vision and they were so enjoying it. Like, they were playing along, you know, like, co-creating the vision with me. Like, putting on top of the vision. And this was so elevating experience. And vision, team, dynamics... It goes well, bam, let's move forward. So I think this was a spectacular experience. If I one day become an investor, I'd be like, go to. So with over $290 million in their back pocket, what's next for gorillas? And surely there have been some bumps along the way. Spoiler alert, there have been. Find out after this quick break. A few months before recording, Gorilla's co-founder, Jörg Kattner, left the company. I wanted to know if that was an easy transition and what Khan learned from it. This is actually a very interesting part of the journey, you know. Imagine a business that's going like 10x speed than its natural life cycle. But in this life cycle, in this fast-paced life, life cycle, if you take a normal business of, you know, let's say that we go 10x fast, and normal business would come to this this level at six years. Would you go with the same co-founding team? I mean, the question is this. Would everyone enjoy doing every part of the business? So at the moment, in one year, like it looks like it's one year or so fast. But in one year, we didn't go from zero to 0 0.5. We now, first first three, four months, it was zero, 0 to 1. And then it was 1 to 5. 
and now we're coming from 5 to 15, 5 to 25. Every part of the business requires different skill sets and not every part is enjoyable for everyone. For example, bring, bringing business zero to one is about riding fast, you know, is about riding fast and it's about not accepting no. But one to 10 is about hiring. It's about creating people's processes and systems. After 10 and 100, it's about riding less, less, less and less. So can you accept this? For me, for example, if you ask what's your personal highest, high, hardest person's challenge, I'm having tough times not, not involving to operations so much because, you know, like the business is grow, goes itself and I need to set my people for success. But this requires 99% of the attention, you know, like it's, I miss 0 to 1, I miss 1 to 10. And not everyone wants to do this. It's a different muscle, it's a different thing. So that's why on the way, not everyone wants to continue and not everyone will want to continue. So the key thing is, are we in good terms? We are in very good terms. My co-founders who, who are not in the business now feel like they co-found the business. Yes, they feel like they co-found the business. That's what matters. And this is one part. Co-founding part is one part. And if you're a real co-founder, by the way, you don't think about staying in the business, but you think about seeing the business at a different level. Imagine you have a kid. Do you want to always be close to your kid? Or if there's an overseas university that know, you know that your kid is successful, like you, you, you want your kid to study there. Like it's same thing, you know, like if you're a real co-founder, you should know when to do a trade-off. And same thing applies to me. If there's one day, a point that I'm not good for this business, I shouldn't stay in this business and I'm not going to stay there in, in the business. But on the other hand, this comes with something else. I love the business. I have my cap, I have my shirt, I have my shorts, I have my, I don't have my underwear, but I wish I had my underwear with the branding. I love this business. So what should I do? I need to develop myself. That's why I surround my, myself with people who can set me up for this next level. I have the integrity to say that, okay, I'm out if I can't reach that, but I will do every single thing to get there personally, to become a, like to make this transition. Khan never seems to stop. And I wanted to know what the biggest lessons have been for him so far and what advice he'd give to anyone looking to follow in his path. I think I'm learning two things. There's one thing that I'm happy that I learned before I did. I have done this. And there's one thing that I'm learning this. I'm, I'm learning, yeah. One thing that I'm super happy that I learned before beginning this is this. I appreciate when I'm weak on certain topics. And I know that I will be weak on certain topics, which makes me extremely strong because this creates transparency on self-awareness and gives me opportunities to build that. So this is one thing that I'm so thankful to my history, like somehow, so somehow things happened that I can sense that, okay, I'm weak at this point. I'm strong in this point. I should keep that and I should definitely action on it. And tomorrow I action on it because I'm not good at this and I, I, I'm not comfortable with it. That is something that I'm thankful that I have it. What I learned on the way is, I don't know if it's a similar feeling, but I think it's two things. A, how do you select people that you can trust 100% one dimension and B, how you can 
really empower people that you 100% trust fully. So for me, this first question is a very tough question because, you know, like you go, you grow at a rocket speed and at some point you know your, like, you know the capability gaps in the organization. And it's very, very easy to, first of all, it's very easy to get a skill. It's very easy to hire a skill. But skill is not something that you should trust because at a rocket ship, skill is not the thing that scales. Behavior is something that scales. So what I learned is, I trust behavior. I trust behavior and the ability to learn these two things. So this is one thing that I learned. And now, for example, when I do improve my team, there's a psychiatrist, there's a high performance coach, and there's one business partner that are working for trust rather than skill. Because, man, at the end of the day, what's the skill? It's the grocery store. Yeah, it's one zero, like it's all around. You, you Google it, you find it. But behavior and being able to vibe is one thing that I learned. The moment you trust, you make life easier for you and for, for the other person. So how do you select the one that you trust? Second thing I learned is how to say no if you don't feel the trust. This is also a very interesting one because you want to grow, you want to hire, you think that like this person will add value, but taking a step back and thinking that, are you really trusting it 100%? Do you, are you going to war with this person? Is something that I learned and I'm not going to war with someone who I trust 99%. And the third part, third piece is, okay, you trust this person, uh, you know, you 100% trust this person. And after that, how can you make life better for this person? This is something that I learned now. It's about... It's a little bit about like tactics and tools, like asking questions rather than just coming and going down, you know, but it's a rewarding journey also. Like I'm being more and more mature, man. If I would give one piece of advice, if they have even 0.5% second thoughts about their skin, their own skin, they should stop everything that they do at this moment. Nothing bad happens. You can have zero money. You can have like no status. You can have nothing. But the moment you know that your skin is the skin, you will become unbeatable. And feeling that unbeatable feel will make you so strong. Because, by the way, focusing on yourself will not make you unbeatable because you're strong. Because you will know that you're weak. You will know that you're weak and you'll accept that you're weak and you'll be super happy that you're weak and you will constantly work on that. And being so in your skin will A, open your door at the right time to right people and your employees will feel it and will connect in, in your vision. And B, you can also transmit it through your internal community to the external community. So that's why if you're at any second doubting about if you have entrepreneurial confidence, I strongly believe that there's something called entrepreneurial confidence. And this is about, you know, your resources and your preferences. Don't think about Googling the business models. Google, just take your time, you know, like just don't have a hobby after work or after your business model. Just have like three, four months just for yourself. Dedicated time to know exactly who are you at the core, you know. For example, 
I'm at the core. I'm an authentic person. I take always bold decisions. I always keep riding and I own the change. I cannot accept the statico. These are four values of gorillas. And I strongly believe that every person, they have these four values and they are not the same values. And the moment they find those values, they can create incredible impact. I cannot stress this more. And on that wonderful note, I want to thank Khan for joining me on this episode of Secret Leaders. If you want to find out more about Gorillas, then head over to gorillas.io. We're now going on a two-week break. Call it summer. We'll be back with more world-class guests, learnings, and stories from June 29th, so we won't be keeping you too long. Have a good few weeks. Here at Mindset Win, we want to give you the tools to become better at what you do. Taking inspiration and wisdom from our guests, we will hear stories, strategies, tips and tricks. Told by leading names in sport and beyond. Who know what it takes to get to the very top. There will be two episodes each week packed with amazing stories and practical takeaways for us all to follow. Search for Mindset Win on YouTube and on your favorite podcast app. If you've enjoyed this episode and you don't want to miss out on more just like it, then please get your phone out and follow us on your favorite podcast player. And if you can think of someone who'd really benefit from what you've just heard, then why not share the episode with them so they can also learn something new today as well. This episode was hosted by me, Dan Murray-Serta. It was produced by Rich Martel with editing done by Lower Street Media.